Hi, What The Hell Tech listeners. I'm your host, Paul Johnson. Um, welcome to today's podcast. This is the podcast where we tackle some of the uh, trending topics, challenges and best practice within health and social care. And I'm joined today by our very own Mark Fooster, our Chief Product Officer. Hello. Welcome, Mark. Thank you very much. So I think today we're going to have a just a general conversation, a little bit of a chat, but something that um, is quite new f- for us as an organisation. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'd like to say it's a world first, but I'm always nervous to say that. No, I think it is but, a world um, first. Yeah. yeah. Is um, IHI triggers, which I let you give a better um, description of what that actually means. But I yeah. think um, in terms of what it means for healthcare providers, um, and especially where people are integrated to those patient records... Um, so, so yeah, yeah IHI triggers, so what does that mean? I start with the acronym. So IHI is the Institute of Healthcare Improvement. Patient record. Within a yep. patient record, you might have determinants of something that might have caused harm to a patient. And so the IHI element, the Institute of Healthcare Improvement, one of their processes, one of the things that they ask clinicians to do is review a certain amount of records. And within those records, they check for these indicators of harm so a few examples might be somebody's had a, a long wait time in A&E for example and then you check that against the patient record and then you subsequently check did that end up resulting in an incident in some way shape or form so what we're doing is we're basically digitizing that process where you no longer need somebody to go off and to check these individual records we plug into the EPR record so if you think of electronic patient record systems out there like maybe Cerner and Epic within there and I've 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 got so I've got more acronyms to go through within there we've got particular triggers that we can pick up on so just to I'll have to read these off a piece of paper I'm afraid because otherwise I don't remember them um but the types of things we can plug into so ADT which is admission discharge and transfer messages um ORM which are basically lab test results OIU which are basically things that contain specific observations about a patient and then RDEs, which are medication orders. So to turn those into things that actually make sense. So examples within general care, for example, might be a patient fall, a pressure ulcer, cardiac arrest, uh, deep vein thrombosis, um, maybe readmission into the ICU. So somebody's been in the intensive care unit and then has gone back in within a certain period of time. Specific lab test results. So again, within this patient record, somebody's gone and maybe MRSA has been detected within that patient record. Um, unplanned readmissions into theatre, specific medication orders. So again, terrible pronunciation here, but naloxone, flumenzanil, so specific types of medications that are being yep. prescribed to people. Uh, and then things within specific areas within the um, acute, in this particular case, so labour rooms, blood loss, lacerations, instrumental deliveries, and then the emergency department, um, things like waiting times within ED. So interestingly... Um, the one we're working with at the moment, which is uh, Cerner and, and, and EHS within the Middle East, uh, are long wait times in the ED department. And their classification of a long wait time in the ED department is actually six hours. Um, so these things, these determiners, what's happening is rather than somebody having to go off and review this data or traditionally somebody then raising an event because this ends up being an incident in some way, shape or form, we're plugging directly into the electronic patient record. We're then generating a workflow from that within radar, which is typically a triage step, which is almost like the clinician would be doing, a, has this 
you know, resulted in harm in, in some way, shape or form. We can go a step beyond just the direct trigger though, and we can put some logic in there at the point at which the thing's generated. So those examples I gave, as you imagine, you just switch that on tomorrow and suddenly you're getting lots and lots and lots and lots of alerts. So all these things are, so they're hard-coded within the patient record. Yes, absolutely. And there's so a reliance. That, that are the, these are the message types, yep. the triggers. So all those messages are in there. Yeah. And there's a, currently a reliance on somebody to go in and review that information. Which may or may not be happening. May or may not yep. be happening. And then once you've reviewed that, where applicable that you would record something in an incident reporting system like Radar Healthcare to then generate and, and do the doing. Yeah, so if you think of some, you know, a couple of examples I gave at the top there, the patient fall and the pressure ulcer, traditionally with a system like ours, you duplicate an effort because you've, you're recording that in your EPR and then you're going off within your other system, hopefully radar, to be able to raise an event, which would be the fall or the pressure ulcer. So we're just automatically picking that up, bringing the data that we need through from that patient record, triggering them with that workflow process. So one is, we're actually making sure that people are reporting these things in the first place because it's coming from the EPR. And one of the things we've seen with some of the customers we've switched it on for already is there has been an increase in reporting uh, just because now you're, you're taking away that discretionary element and you say, well, actually, if this thing happens in the, in the EPR, in the patient record, there will be an event, there will be a workflow process generated. And do you have a sense of, I mean, I mean it sounds like there's so many demonstrable, tangible benefits from it. You just mentioned there about potential under-reporting. Because it's time, effort, and energy that yeah. that you know healthcare workers just generally don't have. So, so uh, you've got under-reporting. I mean, just just on that, if you think of even within our system, the amount of time it takes for somebody to fill in a, a, a form and when they do it. So, let's say for example, there's been a fall, or the, you, you're recording a pressure ulcer. You, as the person delivering care, typically a nurse. Let's say f f for our example, you may not have time to do that immediately. So then you've now got the risk of whether the thing actually gets recorded or not. And then when you actually go and record it, it takes some time. And what we've seen with radar in terms of when people are doing this is sometimes they're doing it after the shift. So they still, they care enough that they want to put this thing into the yeah, system. Yeah. But because they're so time pressured and because they've got, obviously, they're, they're about delivering care, they're putting something, raising an event, raising an incident, comes later, they still want to do it, but they end up having to do it off their own shift, so in their own personal time. So all of that you know, frustration around, right, I've got to go fill something in, and the time element of it, we just completely remove that. And I suppose that the time to respond must improve. Oh, absolutely, because it's... Yeah, exactly. The, Something's the, occurred, it's now triggered, It's it's been surfaced, workflows generated... Uh, actions disseminated and tracking this thing. Yeah, and even if these things are just super simple triage step and close down, so if you think of the maternity examples there of issues within the lab room, those can just quite quickly build up a picture of what's going on within the organisation, whereas typically they might not have been recorded and, or reported in the first place. Or you would have had to go somewhere else to pick out your analytics to do some in-depth analysis within your EPR to figure out what's going on. So all of that clinician time as well, now that's completely abstracted out because it's all flowing through into our analytics platform. And then the artificial intelligence that sits over our analytics platform looks for the patterns, looks for the indicators of maybe something wider going on within an organisation or across different organisations. And then, I mean, we just you mentioned Cerner and Epic, which are two, you know, big names within the patient record. This is applicable to anyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so the example we're talking about here is IHI triggers. And similarly, the, the I mean, we're kind of jumping around a little bit in terms of some of the questions we're asking, but part of what we're doing with the API technology we're building out is to be interoperable with 
anything that in a sense is going to be the source of what might be a potential risk. So if you think of the things we're talking about here, you know, very straightforward examples of this you know, may have caused harm to a particular individual or did cause harm to a particular individual. You can expand that out into some of the work we're doing with some of the care providers in the UK and integrating with their care software providers. You know, people like Nourish and PCS and Caring, for example, we're integrating, integrating with those. Um, and then moving a step beyond that, and again, in terms of how risk is evolving within organisations, it's, it's becoming less centralised and less around individuals manually tracking information, for want of a better way of describing it, to something that's becoming a wider ecosystem of technologies and providers. So or, think of a geography. You might have, obviously, your hospital. Within there, you've got an EPR system. You've then got care homes. Within there, you've got all the care planning providers. You might have care at home where it's wearables, IoT devices. These might all be provided by lots of different suppliers. And actually what we're doing is we're aggregating all of that information from all of those different areas and giving that centralized viewpoint on risk for one of a better way of describing it. So how are these things being managed? Are they being managed? Are they being used properly? Where they are being used properly, are you making sure that you're generating the right, for us, read our word, but workflows to the process and things that you need to undertake when these things are telling you that harm's happened or you need to intervene in some way, shape or form. Is, is that is that the vision then for you and Radar Healthcare? You know, your your ultimate responsible for, for Radar Healthcare in terms of the product. Is it that you see it that it's almost, it becomes, you just plug Radar into whatever that data source is or whatever that system is Absolutely. and let it to start to automate what the necessary response is. Yeah. You mentioned there about the, the analytics and the artificial intelligence that's, that's then pushed through that to then affect a response and a change. Is that, so regardless what the system is, yeah. simply plug in Radar Healthcare, let it start to connect so, to that data and I know when we talk change. about, let's say we're on a sales call, for example, and we've got an, an organization who might be acquiring lots of other organizations, we always talk about Radar being something that can just go in and then underpin. So actually, you're gonna, you've got a way of running your particular organization, you know, processes, policies, all that kind of good stuff. You buy another organization that comes in and Radar's just there and it makes sure that this new you know, element to your organization runs in the way that you want it to run. Expand that out into all the other things that you might be doing. So you, you bring it on a care platform. You want to make sure that the workflow is being generated from that and how you manage falls, wounds, whatever that looks like, again, is managed in however you determine that is that process should be. Same thing for the IoT devices, fridge monitors, anything in that ecosystem of, of risk, we plug straight into Radar and then Radar just basically underpins and gives you that assurance that one, those systems are running as you expect them to, to be running, but probably more importantly, when they are shouting and saying that you need to be doing something, you have a digital process and a workflow that basically is going to ensure or mandate that that process is happening and that thing's taking place. and then. On top of that, using things like our audits module and, and schedule tasks to make sure that you're maintaining these things. So if you think of wearables, fridge sensors, all that type of good stuff, you're not only wanting to get information from that in terms of things like readings and is it working or when it breaks, what happens, but you need to make sure, are they in, are they working, do they have batteries in? So the whole maintenance element of this this kind of new infrastructure, again, we underpin that as well. I know we just you touched on there about you know, um, artificial intelligence, you know, um, machine learning, mm -hmm. you know, these, these are getting banded around all the time. And, you know, what, from your perspective, what, 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 what does it mean, you know, 
and how you view it as to how you play it. Because one of, one of the things I always hear as well is RPA, robotic process automation, yeah. which sometimes people do get, assume there's robots and androids walk around doing things. But maybe, you know, if you just, from a chief products officer's perspective, yeah. rather than me trying to articulate what I think it is, is what so, does that mean? But, and then, you know, from a radar healthcare perspective, you know, when we're talking about making organizations efficient by some things you just discussed, maybe from your perspective, what RPA and... So I'll start with the AI one. Okay. Not because it's simpler, but probably because kind of easier, easier to give an example of it. Um, and I guess, you know, everybody kind of, AI is a little bit of a scary word for people. Um, for us, if we, if we, again, we roll back to those examples around the IHI triggers or information that's going into a system, Traditionally, and let's just pick kind of you know quality management for, for, for argument's sake, we we're a couple of quality managers or we're working at a risk team in an organization. We've probably got a monthly meeting where we sit down and we kind of we've got some reports and we look at the reports and we go, oh, we've some something's changed here, or this is not quite what we expected it to be. And somebody's probably gone off and built those reports and they've spent a period of time in kind of creating that. For us, the first kind of real-world application for AI is to to look into the data sets that would form these types of reports. So obviously we've got dashboards and analytics and all that kind of good stuff, but the AI sitting on top of that basically looks for anomaly detection within that data set. So rather than it being the traditional thing of you having to wait for somebody to go look and figure out if there is an issue here, the first practical example for us in AI is just literally to look for anomaly detection. So it's going off and it's looking within the data set to go, well, actually you've got a spike in a particular type of events here, or maybe, um, you've had a spike in reports of bullying, for example, at a particular location. You might not necessarily see that in the data because it might be really low level and it might be hidden in the, you know, the fact that you've got lots of other things going on within the organization. So that's a really key one for us. And then again, AI without an output is almost meaningless. So the, 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 the circle, if you like, for us is where the mechanism for bringing the data in, the workflows then would be generating whatever the process is for the falls or the wounds or whatever the thing is that's happening. The AI, AI should I say, then picks up any anomalies in that. But then we plug the workflow back into the artificial intelligence to now drive some action from it. So the example I'll, I always use because it's relatively straightforward one is you've got lots of infection events happening disparately across uh, you know, a geography, maybe a national territory. And traditionally, it probably take a long time to suddenly figure out that there's something going on here. Our system immediately picks up that there's something going on and you've had a spike in infections, generates an outbreak event via the AI detecting that, generates a workflow process. And for us, the workflow process could be notifications into people to say, well, there's an outbreak at these particular sites. So really practical, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and about reducing that time to act. So you've gone from me and you in our monthly meeting, looking at some data, trying to figure out if there's anything going wrong there to literally instantly something's happened and not only are we telling you something's happened, we're also giving you the process that you've created to say, well, what do I want to do when this thing happens? So, you know, really, I think transformational in terms of how people kind of manage risk within organizations and then take that concept and move it into anything. You know, you can just basically underpin these um, data sets, you know, as I say, it could be, and data that's not necessarily from our products, well-being data. You know, we've got a correlation between poor well-being reports of our staff and maybe a spike in, in certain types of incidents. Maybe there's a correlation between well-being and people are reporting uh, bullying, again, for example, or violence and aggression, that type of thing. Again, the system will automatically pick that up and flag it to you. Yeah, I mean, and 
I suppose, and then you can you can immediately understand the power when you're plugging in something like a Cerner or an Epic or whatever the the EHIPR system is. Mm-hmm. When you're plugging that in, not only are the things you just described where we're automating, detecting these things and affecting the response, then all that data is being pulled together to identify the deviation. Yeah, absolutely, and it's able to correlate between it. I mean, you know, obviously relatively. Um, in the news at the minute in terms of kind of maternity, but imagine that labour, you know, you've got some of the EPR triggers there that would have been detected. You know, you you would have suddenly seen this, even nationally, well, we've got a spike here and, and it would have generated an event yeah. on the back of it. So what what's... what's Rather the, than being discretionary. Yeah, I mean, that that's the key thing here, isn't it? Hmm. I think as well, I, I was having this conversation um, this week about the determinants of you know, various factors that filter down to patient harm. Yeah. And interestingly, picking up from sentiment analysis, which you were just saying, where people are, you know, if staff are pressured and feeling that they're not in a great place, um, you know, you know, staffing levels, other data sets, there are lots of contributing factors that might be very small in their own right. Absolutely. But as yeah. a collective, they can feed into, you know, ultimately an organisation not delivering the best health care outcomes. And without a system to see that, you rely on people to try and get you that information. And I mean, we know because we work with quite a lot of organisations still working on Excel spreadsheets. And, yeah. and, and so this is, you know, I, I used the word transformational before, but it literally is. It's taking them from, you know, people who were going off and trying to analyse and who aren't obviously SMEs other than the data element, you know, trying to figure yeah, out what's yeah. going on from a big picture point of view. And then it's reliant on, the meeting and the discussion about the data. This is just, you know, you're, you're acting on it. Um, and then I didn't touch on the RPA. So um, again, for us, some of the process elements and some of the workflow elements don't necessarily need to be handled within radar. So if you think of our workflows, uh, typically uh, here's, here's a task for you to do. You need to complete it. You need to you know put some information into a system. The way the API is being developed is it allows us to pass information back into other platforms. So some of the RPA might be just feeding, you know, feeding a process back into another piece of software that then goes off and kicks off another uh, particular process. Or going a step forwards, you could actually start to plug RPA into some elements of radar. So things like replying to a complainant for for argument's sake, you know, that thing's now no longer a, a something a, a human has to do. It's just, you know. Creates a document, so sends in, it out to an email. In the simplest of terms, then, the RPA, if you like, is any business process that I, I need to follow that has a reliance on human intervention and manual process yeah, something that's can repeatable. effectively be digitised yeah. um, so that you can affect that efficiency and change. Yeah, You've talked a lot about the... Um, the interoperability, this development of an API, mm-hmm. um, and I know there's work that's gone around in, in conjunction with Innovate UK, and specifically about you know how these integrations and this interoperability, this automation, can be applied into the uh, the kind of aging population, yep. and those healthcare providers that service th- th- that kind of sector, and I think the the overarching mission, if you like, was. You know, how do we increase greater independence and quality of life and choice for, for, for you know, the Asian population? Do you want to tell us a little bit about the, you know, what is the Innovate UK? And yeah. How I mean, that links into what we've just been talking about. So I guess I just probably oversimplify that, but Innovate UK is uh, like a government pot of funds that they 
almost like a tender process if you were you know you're almost kind of t- tendering for for, for 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 the money for want of a better way of describing it and the particular kind of national strategy and I'll, I'll read it out because I won't get it right otherwise advanced in- data integration for improved care delivery to address an aging society grant challenge so I think you explained it simpler than the, <laughs> the title but in principle how do we use our technology to basically improve care for an aging society. For us, obviously, we're already working in care. So, you know, we have a product that delivers a value there already. Um, so the the IUK fund for us was around how do we then influence that and where are we best placed to make a difference? And touching on some of the things we talked about, that reduction in time to act, but also freeing up carers to be able to deliver care specifically and allow care to be delivered without necessarily people being involved. So we talked about kind of care at home and, and, and devices and all that kind of good stuff. So we're using the API technology that we built out to basically underpin, um, almost like underpin a care home to, to one of a better way of describing it. So if you think of some of the transactional things people have got to do, like duplicating effort in terms of reporting things, like some of the report RPA you've, you discussed, th- some really simple things like, fridge monitoring and temperature checks and, and acoustic monitoring and all the kind of devices that they might have in a home where somebody's walking around sometimes just checking a fridge and going, yes, it's six degrees, tick, and, and, and all of that kind of transactional activity. Because we're now able to pull in the data from these other systems. So for example, we might pull in the data from the, the, from the fridges. So you're now no longer having to go off and manually check what that temperature is. But then when the thing goes wrong, workflow process, we're picking up that action to make sure that thing's mandated. So there's some kind of really simple ways we're able to help. And that frees the care up. So basically, instead of carers spending you know, an hour a day going off and doing these, these checks, you're now able to deliver care. So it has a material difference on 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 the the care that's being delivered because all of that all of that time's been freed up. You mentioned there about yeah, and it's clear to see the efficiencies and benefits at a care home level within there. And you know, you know, I spent many days in care homes. Fortunately, that you know, customers welcome us in there. Yeah. And I, and I, the thing that I always comes across is bedside time, time yeah. with the residents, you know, and the patients because that's ultimately what they want to do. And that, as you rightly pointed out. The administrative burden, if we can take that away. I suppose going a step further, though, is and something that I know we've started to engage with ICBs and ICSs, integrated care boards and integrated care systems. And I suppose, does the Innovate UK stroke this innovation help us also connect the home to the care home to the hospital? Yeah, is, so that, is that the vision? You, you think of hospital... And I'm I'm going to probably get the numbers wrong, but I think kind of cost of somebody in a hospital bed per day, about two thousand pounds per day, something around that. Um, and then within a care home, not private, um, but hundred pounds a day for argument's sake. Um, so there's a there's a big cost differential there. So if you think of you're you're in hospital and we're trying to obviously you know get you out of hospital ideally you want to go home but maybe you can't maybe your care means you actually you got to go into a, go in, got, got got to go into a home the first element of that is well where do you go and who can take you and do they have the right kind of can they support you in the right way so the system again with the interoperability we can kind of get big picture view and understand well actually here are the people that are wanting to go out into a particular care home maybe that care home cannot cannot take it cannot take that particular individual the workflow or the process 
can be the almost the, the sign off between us to say, well, actually, you know, we want to discharge Paul into Care Home X. Care Home X goes, well, yes, I want to take Paul. Um, the process then becomes something that's much faster because it's done digitally, so you're not having to kind of do it in the in doing it in the traditional way. And then you're, in the nicest sense, moved quickly into a care environment where you're actually getting the care that you need rather than being kind of delayed. You sat in a hospital bed, delaying um, you know the rest of the, the the process within the hospital because you're taking up a taking up a bed. And I suppose that going back to the the API. You know, which is, you know, again, we should probably throw in our acronyms that assume people know what that means. But ultimately, an intelligent way for our system to connect with other systems yeah. is um, because I know one thing that was mapped out almost was that there are systems that exist to assist hospitals with observations to to present discharge candidates. Yeah, we know that delayed transfers of care again without being held to a number, I know it was around about 6,000 patients per day pre-pandemic in hospital that don't need to be in hospital, but to your point, not able to send them home. Yeah. So if we connect, is I suppose the panacea system would be connect to the observations, expedite discharge. Could could you hook in trans patient transport to yeah absolutely I mean patient visibility of patient transport is likely, where, to, where likely you to be a customer go. as well yeah, so, yeah yeah we we have that in joined up ecosystem yeah and I suppose then you're you're helping with the delayed transfer of cares to to get people into safely discharged into where there is capacity and capability yeah um, and then following on into the home because you're connecting into the home as well. Yeah, and obviously we can be feeding into the care planning software and vice versa. And then from a so all of this technology, it's having a a demonstrable impact, a positive impact on efficiency and things like that. How do, from a cultural perspective, what's what's been the kind of feedback from people that are you know whether I'm a carer, I'm a physician, a surgeon, whatever it might be, are they generally up? You know, is there a what is the cultural impact within an organisation? I think if we pick the um, the IHI trigger work that we've been doing with the EHS, I, I mean, it's enormous. You know, for them, this is world first. And that that fact of now you're not having to go down the traditional route of raising a you know all these different types of events we've been mentioning you know having to go off and do that within a within a particular system, just that benefit of it. But I think the big the bigger benefit of it from a cultural point of view is you now know these things are happening and more importantly, you, you, the learnings and the outcomes from them. So we, all the stuff we've been talking about is still inputs and still stuff going into a system. It becomes meaningless if you know we're just generating these things and we've got lots of numbers. If we're not then learning from this and actually thinking, well, what do we then need to do to reduce these? So great, we're getting lots of triggers coming in and generating events. Reality is we don't want those things to be coming into the, in, in the first place. So from a cultural point of view, it's it's really that of actually there's now no there's no barriers to reporting there's no kind of negativity around reporting if you think of traditionally again sometimes reporting things into a system people feel like it's a negative thing you know I'm I'm, I'm reporting on this and maybe I'm you know, reporting on something that maybe involves you and uh, I don't want to don't want to report it now actually all of that all of that has gone but then the learnings from you know the processes and the things that come after help you implement something as an organisation to reduce these things happening in the first place. So that's that's I mean that is what we're about is yeah you know yeah and and I think if I if I'm working in an organisation I see that 
we are moving in the right direction. I've got more time at the bedside, et cetera, et cetera. The things that I've said are important to me, then yeah. I'm going to be in a better place. I just want to touch on a couple of things that you said about, you know, the the perception of, you know, r- reporting where you, you take out almost the emotion out because we have to surface this thing because it's happened. Yep. Now let's try and learn from it to an effective change and stop it happening. Yep. You know, and it's really important to be a learning management system as well as a managing the incidents. But from a cultural perspective as well, I know that something that we've, we do with some of the customers, excellence reporting. Yep. And then th- this term came up, I think it's, um, I think it was with Cleveland Clinic and the way that they do it, which is a good catch. Yes. Which I think is, I love that terminology because it isn't, I am reporting an incident. It is, you know, it's celebrated that somebody has identified an area of, you know, cliched a little bit, bit or oh, an area for improvement, but it absolutely is. Yeah, 100%. We found something, caught it. We're going to affect a change that's going to ripple through and stop this thing happening. And then the, if, if the, the negative things are almost taken care of because they're done programmatically, for want of a better way of explaining it, then actually the system becomes just that. It's about, well, actually, here's something we can learn. Here's some, here's good practice. Here's a good catch. Here's some excellence reporting. And again, all of that feeds back into the system to help with the learnings. I think one of the things we didn't touch on in the AI um, is about things like the, the sentiment analysis and things like that. So actually, you know, starting to analyse and, and, and look for things within some of the narratives people are saying as well. So again, coming away from traditionally drop down boxes and people putting things in and, and becoming much more well, a bit like after action reviews. What was your experience? What, did, what do you think happened as part of this? And us being able to kind of understand and determine, you know, the factors from the text and the things people are saying rather than just being, you know, your traditional filling in a filling in a form, which I think again is going to be a huge, huge difference. Yeah, that's going back to the point I made where I was speaking about people saying there's lots of different contributing factors. Yeah that might be very small in their own right, but that feed into something. And again, the conversation, it will come to me, the, who I was actually with. But, um, and they said um, they'd actually picked up from the um, the huddles um, certain language. Yeah. You know, frustration, anger, what, what, you know, you know, things that have a negative connotation that, that a culmination of those, at the same time they were having a spiking, you know, patient harm event. So... You can see how the things are kind of intrinsically linked. Yeah, and again, you think if there's no system to do that, how difficult is that to do? I mean, it's impossible, isn't it? You never yeah. get, unless yeah. you're there, unless yeah. you're out on the wards and you're listening, and you, yeah, it's really difficult to be able to understand. Yeah. That. So just that, like the heartbeat of what's going on within an organisation, from ultimately for us, obviously we talk about it in a risk sense, but you know, if you're feeding in the wellbeing data and the other elements of it, um, you know, friends and family, if we're talking about NHS, that type of thing. You, you'd be able to, you know, amalgamate that and get an idea about what's going on. I think just, you know, just keeping on the culture thing, I, it is so important for us as a, you know, as Radar Healthcare and a technology partner to healthcare organisations is to understand that because you would like to think that if when you bring a system in, because we're talking about monitoring what people are writing or saying, mm-hmm. then is it big brother listening to me? But if it's done in a way that and people understand the, the, end outcome of this the net result is it's going to help us you know improve whether that's internally culturally looking our staff of to how we deliver care to patients then i think getting that balance right that this isn't big brother and listen to everything you're doing and going back to it's a good catch it's a good thing to find these things i think the way to do that is 
and, and and you know some people don't necessarily like this term but kind of democratizing the information that comes out of the other side of it so again some of the things we're talking about you, you're reporting things and they disappear off into the into the ether you know and whatever happened to it where did yeah. I, i've been what, yeah. what, what, what's going on with this um so again one of the big things we're looking what we are, are, are doing at the moment to be fair is how do you enable access for the for the type of insight that we were talking about for somebody who's a you know a head of quality or head of risk role actually that sort of insight should be available to everybody in the organization and how do you surface it so you know give them give yeah. them access yeah. to it um in a way that again makes it easy for them to be able to consume so if you think of the types of even even the you know, dashboards within our own product you've got to have a certain level of data literacy for want of a better way of describing it so go on look at a dashboard understand what it's doing and understand what it's telling you one of the things we're doing in conjunction with the iuk project is to actually take the analytics and to again i use the word surface but to basically basically present it to people in a way that makes more sense to them and that things like augmented augmented analytics so integrating i know it's kind of flavor of the month but things like chat gpt where you kind of go off and a bit like um um, natural language query and you would go off and you'd ask a, a question and then it'd go off into our analytics come back and present you with the information in different ways that you could then kind of consume so maybe you're, we're on a teams meeting for argument's sake and we're just saying well okay how many complaints did we have last week and the chat pops up so you're not even going into radar you don't even need to necessarily know radar exists but we're you know feeding with a source of this information for you and that can be at any any level yeah now that i mean I mean that's that's here and now, isn't it? Yeah, that's, yeah, we're yeah, doing that yeah, now. yeah, yeah. That's it's not something that that's visionary. It is yeah. getting the right information quickly. There. I mean, you mentioned there about the democratization of data. I think that's really important as well. And I know you know one of the benefits of the radar kind of because it's kind of personalized and role based. It's that ability to push meaningful information to that person yeah. based on their role and requirement. You know and having it understandable and then um i don't know if you just want to briefly mention about i know we call it pulse yeah but again i think it's a key thing that you know it is almost that democratization of data for me as yeah, the things that i'm interested in the, yeah, the things that i'm interested i mean in. i mean one is the analytics allows complete customization of of the type of data you might want to consume so you can go from anything from i just want a table of some data to right i want a specific dashboard that's maybe focused on pick maternity again and it's tracking you know the numbers of claims we've got versus the number of incidents we've got and it's maybe benchmarking me against the national average and it's bringing in my audit data bringing in my staff training so from the analytics point of view we can build very customized very bespoke for one of a better word content that speaks to a, a specific need and then as you said then personalizing that uh, uh, even further to say well actually what am i interested in so i've got my OKRs or my KPIs or the things that I might want to kind of have as an indicator, I can then create my own rule set around that to say, well, actually, if my audits hit a certain level or fall under a certain level, please let me know. If incidents spike in a certain area, please let me know. So it will let the system just go, Paul, this thing that you were interested in, here's some data associated with it, and it's met or hasn't met the particular criteria you were interested in. But then again, going forwards, we can plug that workflow in, plug that process in. So if you want rules and things to happen, once these KPIs, these pulses are at, the system can do that as well. I mean, that sounds incredible. As, you know, I, I don't have the capability and the, you know, the know-how to create all those things. Is it simple? Is it, you know, is it 
Yeah, I think that, that again, that's the benefit of it. All of this stuff is, is kind of drag and drop. So you, you don't necessarily need a degree in kind of data science to be put to put putting these dashboards together. And one of the things that I think is, is really great is when we're working with the customers in terms of the dashboards designs. Sometimes you might have somebody who's kind of BI. So, you know, their job is data. Their job is to put the charts together. Uh, but then other times you've got people who who want to build something out that's very specific to them. So maybe it is maternity, it's a you know nurse within a particular specialty. And the bit that's great is once once they understand what's possible, it's just opened up a, a whole world to them of, actually, I never, I, I've always wanted to know this and I've never been able to understand this because nobody's ever been able to give me the data for it. And now, you know, now I can have a dashboard for this. And, and it you get they enable their own transformational change because they're now able to answer the questions that they've historically, you know, they've never been able to do because they've never been able to go to even big organisations. I need this report. You're going into a BI team who's then going to go off and do it or somebody else is doing it in the back room somewhere. We're now completely different to that. And that when you you see them getting excited about how they can change what they do and learn from it, it's it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I like the idea of just being able to drag and drop Yes, and start simple. to you know set some thresholds and say just tell me when this thing occurs or yeah. if I start to fall a lot if there's a change yeah. and in a very simple way yeah and, and they're building things that we learn from as well so in the nicest sense you know, we see customers that build a dashboard and we're like oh, that's great you know we learn from the things that you're constructing and, and same way we develop the product you end up with this you know, community for, of customers who are creating content that is then shared with us, obviously, but then also shared with each other. So again, NHS starting to share dashboards with each other, starting to understand, you know, well, we do this and we do that. And well, that's a great yeah. dashboard. We'd like yeah. to take learnings from that. Yeah, I do. I, I look, I'd just touch on the community, actually, because I, I think that's a, an amazing place that because you have, you know, US, UAE, NHS, health and social care, you know, GP, then you've got lots, a yep. big mix of different organizations all feeding into one community and seeing how people are working best practice i think seeing that actually people are sharing things is 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 pretty cool and then i know i don't know if you you can remember the stats as to how we listen and push things back i can't remember remember the actual numbers of of um requests through the forum but ultimately 50 percent of the things that come through from a product suggestion from the customer base end up in the in, in the products in some way shape or form to date so we're always, you know, we've got lots of ways of listening. One of them's the community. One of them's people putting stuff onto the forums. Um, obviously, we've got the CSMs, the PMs, sales, you know, yourself, me. You know, we're all kind of all out there always listening to customers and what the market's interested in. Um, but, yeah, directly through the forum, it's it's, it's 50% of things that I've, I've asked for we've, we've we've developed, which I, I, I would be surprised if, if, if many are in around that number. Yeah, no, no, it's pretty impressive. And just on the, from a... You, you just mentioned about the, the ease of use. You know, how where is that in terms of your priorities? Is it front and centre from a music-centric? Yeah, yeah. Because to throw in another acronym, which I'll let you describe, <laughs> is, is NLP, the, the kind of natural language. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, it's all oriented to, for, to be a really slick, I mean, interaction with radar healthcare, you, you almost want it nominal in terms of what I need to do, but I communicate with Radar, it's communicating with me and we're affecting a change. Uh, yeah, I mean, the ethos of the design 
is always kind of more acronyms. UCD, user-centered design. So when we're developing anything, we're also always developing it with the end user in mind, even down to the beta sessions and things we do. So that's where we kind of, um, you know, we've, we're developing some part of the product and we're asking customers who've been involved in the design journey to, to help us test it. You know, we're quite, we're, 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 we kind of set them tasks and say, okay, I need you to put, do X within radar. Um, and then we kind of sit back and see how they get on and, and if we see if they're struggling in anywhere and that helps us with, with the design. Um, but to, to, the, to the, the, the point you were, you, you were making there, I think for us, sometimes you don't necessarily even need to be in radar to be consuming the things that are coming out of radar. So from an accessibility point of view, back to things like the analytics and the, you know, the RPA um, and the natural language. You, know, you might be querying the data within radar from something else like Teams or Slack or wherever that, wherever you, um, wherever you um, spend your time. That again is about usability. You know, some of it, you don't even know to, need to know where they're. You know, you might be, yep. just, you might be yep. just consuming an outcome from us, which is, right, you need to go off and you need to take some, you know, pharmacist, the meds fridge is to run into warm. You need to go off and you need to empty the fridge and make sure the medicines are either transferred or they're disposed of safely. Don't need to know that. It's even radar. Yeah, I suppose that is at you know the RPA element. Almost yeah. is yeah. this things working in the background, doing those things that historically we would have spent time and energy on, whereas now I'm focusing on actual care delivery. Yeah, and making more informed decisions. Yeah, basically reduce it. All about reducing the time to act. You know, we're making sure that you're not. Anything that you need to do, it's immediate. You know, we're, we're just keeping you on the hook for whatever it is that needs to happen within the organization. And when you do need to consume some of the information, it's just as simple and straightforward as possible and is relevant for you in your particular role, which is where kind of all that analytics and the dashboard design comes in. Thank you so much, Mark. That's Thank been, uh, I, I just always find it insightful. I, I think just because this is what excites me is the innovation side of things. But um, Many thanks for joining. Uh, thanks for everybody for listening. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another podcast. Um, if you have any feedback, please rate and subscribe on What The Health Tech. And um, if you want any questions, then please email whatthehealthtech at radarhealthcare.com. Thank you very much and thank you, Mark. Thank you.